and welcome to UX Like Us, the podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists, and scotch drinkers. <laughs> I'm your user experience scotch drinker, Roman Burkott. Joining me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Larry King. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's true, too. Uh, you might. It's true. You are a scotch drinker. You know, it's it's funny entry, which is the best kind of fun. I thought you were saying uh, it's it's true about being my brother from another mother. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Larry, how's it been going, man? I've been good. Um, yeah, life is good. Um, and you can tell life is good by all of the you know you know it, when, whenever I'm feeling down and. I really want to, you know, get a pick me up. The thing that I do is I go to Twitter. Scientifically proven to elevate your mood. <laughs> That's right. To give you hope for humanity. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, scratch that. Reverse it. There you go. Okay, now now we're good. Have you are are you familiar with the design Twitters, Roman? Uh sadly I am. Uh, I to to mirror back your your moves there, like whenever I'm feeling a little too good about myself, and <laughs> you really need to take myself down a notch, that's when I jump on Design Twitter and uh, <laughs> just deflate all ego. Oh, see, now I don't I don't think that's fair because I've like you know I've gotten a lot of really interesting, cool, and um uh, insightful ideas and insight from from Design Twitter. So I don't I think that's 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 characterizing it. A little harshly. Yeah, honestly, that that's a really good point. Because I, I, so I've been on Twitter since I think practically when it opened. Like I heard about it from Southwest, South by Southwest, and I jumped on it right away. And then I couldn't figure out any use for it. Yeah, that ex- think, that explains so, the like, Stuperman um, handle. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's you know, a solid ten or more years later that uh, I finally jump on and I discovered design Twitter and I was just amazed by the depth and quality of content that uh, designers post onto Twitter. Uh, it re- reminded me of how great designers um, have been about producing quality blogs and, and long form content. I've been amazed to see how great you you can be on such a short format medium. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I feel like growing up, you know, I, I, you know, I got into, you know, design and UX in the early two thousands and then I started hitting my stride, you know, started in the late two thousands and that's the time, you know, Twitter started up and, you know, a lot of the people in our industry kind of got on that bag bandwagon early, like we did. And I th- I have found it to be a treasure trove of access to, you know, people that, you know, think like me and, 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 and may have ideas that I never considered before and had conversations that I wouldn't normally have had. And, um, it's just been like, you know, it's been a, a very valuable resource for, for my development as a, as a designer and a UX leader. And in particular, I've been impressed by design Twitter's ability to take on really complicated and nuanced issues and productively uh, have a public conversation about them and, and, and seeing people of notoriety, like you're saying, um, you know, publicly 
evolve their thinking and change their minds on things in the face of, you know, various comments and things like that. It's been a, a, a really impressive example. Yeah. And being comfortable, like putting yourself out there with your ideas and then like being, I was like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I, I, I believed this one thing, but now I've evolved on that, you know, based upon things I've learned over time and just, you know, uh, a lot of us, um, you know, imposter syndrome victims will, are sometimes hesitant to put ideas out there because they we think we're going to be wrong or we don't know what we're talking about and things like that. And so it's good to, you know, see people speak up and be able to, you know, voice what their opinion is at this very moment or voice an opinion that's maybe contradictory to a, another opinion that they have and be able to hold those two opinions at the same time. You know, and, and it's, and that this is where, you know, sort of design t- Twitter can sort of take a, a, an interesting turn. And by interesting, I mean a little dark. Yeah, that's the thing. It's been this amazing resource. And then one day design Twitter set its sights on design Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, if Twitter existed back in like the the mid two thousands, then you know we we would have had this same discussion on Twitter about you know <laughs> design the damn thing right or I'm sorry define the damn thing you know it's like what what is UX define the damn thing right there's like there was like all those all those discussions about you know what is UX and what do we do and what what, what why is it important and blah 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 and I feel like. The um the the discussions that have been going on over the past weekend, and look, let me let me just stop right there and, and and go off on a little bit of a tangent. People, it's the weekend. Go off and go outside <laughs> or do something with your family or just like go like escape somehow. This they we had this like huge discussion about is everyone a designer. On a freaking weekend. It was nice outside. People should have went outside instead. Oh, yeah. That's when <laughs> that's like prime time for design Twitter is like odd hours of the weekend when people should be relaxing. And then suddenly they have a, a deep thought pop into their head and write a, a tweet thread of about 37 different posts. <laughs> so let's, let's sort of dig into what happened over the weekend. So we give people some context of what's going on. So like over the weekend, um, I think it was Peter Merholtz that like, I think started it all. It's like, and, 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 and maybe there was like a, a deeper thread than that, but that's like the f- first part of the thread I started seeing. And, and Peter Merholtz basically just came out and, and had an observation of, I don't understand why people get so upset when, um, you know, it's mentioned that everyone is the designer. Now, Peter didn't say that he believes that everyone is a designer. He just merely said, I don't get understand. I don't understand why people get in such an uproar when people mention this thing. And that was the trigger for this huge (laughs) conversation about, you know, are people, is everyone a designer? Is everyone not a designer? Is it? You know, and, and, you know, you've got this one camp that is like, oh, designer is this like this precious thing that I worked really hard to be. And when, when you say that everyone is a designer, that like means, you know, all the work I've done and all the things I've done. And then there's the, you know, sort of the Jared Spool camp of like, well, if we define design in this way, then everyone kind of is a designer, right? So it, 
it's kind of come down really from what I've heard is like how you sort of define what design is. For the purposes though of of making a, a at least a somewhat coherent podcast episode. Oh, we're not we going to talk about <laughs> So are we talking about um design Twitter catching on fire or are we talking about the actual issue of whether or not everybody is a designer? Let's talk Are, are we trying to continue the conversation? Let's continue the conversation, why not? It didn't get beat down like a dead horse over the weekend. Let's 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 continue. Yeah. Why not? Well, if you're like me, you're um, delightfully unaware. I mean, I actually popped into Twitter a couple times over the weekend, and I've seen the the discussion uh, raging. Um, one quick observation is that you know, just in a in a casual, you know, flip through. I've been shocked by my ability to see somebody say something and be like, Ooh, that's smart. I agree with that. And then see somebody just roast their ass in the, the next reply. And I'd be like, Oh, that was smart. I agree with that. <laughs> it's like, I agree with everybody. This is a, a nice nuanced conversation. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a plethora of hot takes as they say. Now that was the part that that turned me off and you know makes me tend to avoid a lot of design Twitter lately is that aside from you know just the the current discussion in general there's been a lot of this kind of um uh, I don't remember how how do you say it the orubus the the snake eating its own tail ah uh, yes uh-huh there was in fact um uh, 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 a close friend of mine posted that very picture as a tweet, as a response yeah, yeah. to what was going on this weekend. <laughs> I was like, this is the perfect, perfect summer. <laughs> All right. So you want to discuss the actual heart of the question, though. Let's talk about it. Why is, not? Is everyone a designer? Yes. So what? Do, so I, I, I think there's, a, I think from, from reading all the discussion on this over Twitter, I think there's, there's basically a couple of camps. There's uh, the camp. Well, I think there's, there's probably three. There's the camp of um, every there. There's the camp of, you know, the Jared Spool camp where he says, you know, design is the rendering of tent. And there is a bunch of people making design, making decisions that affect the experience of the product. Therefore, if they're making a decision that can affect the experience of the product, they are a, by definition, his definition, a designer, right? And then there's the, there's this other camp that's like, well, I actually had, I am a designer because of like the education I have and the background I have. And I, um, my station in my career is demeaned by the fact that you, you're calling everybody else a designer. But when I actually have design skills. And when you say everybody's a designer, that makes my role and my skills less relevant and less um, useful. Right. And so they sort of get, you know, they, they, their, their status is sort of threatened by the fact that everybody is, can be a designer. Right. And then there okay. is so the third camp. Let's call that the the butthurt camp. There's the butthurt uh, camp. Is. There's the everyone's designer <laughs> camp. There's the butthurt camp. And then there's the, then there's this, like this smaller niche of people that either 
think this is just a ridiculous conversation that doesn't actually accomplish anything or they can hold both beliefs at the same time. And, it, and that's okay. So if I take a look at where I come from, for from it, I kind of look at it as sometimes everyone in a designer is a really great lens to either as a means to an end for something you're trying to accomplish, right? Like if you're in a certain conversation or you're a certain situation that, you know, the everyone is a designer maybe a good lens to use in that particular situation. And I can also see the other side is like, well, yes, but we like are all, you know, we are actually have design skills. We went to design school or we actually do design techniques or we are being shut out because we don't have the power in this situation and somebody else is doing, you know, has the power, but they don't actually have design skills. And therefore we're not getting the optimal results because they don't do design things um, in, in, in what they do. And so I can, from that point of view, I can understand it's like, yeah, these people are making decisions, but they're making rotten decisions because they don't actually d approach it from uh, a design approach. Right. And so I can see for me, I can see both sides of the argument and I look at it as like, in some cases, this is a good lens to, to, to discuss design and what we do and, and how to make better products. And in another situation I can understand, yeah, we don't want to demean the, the effort and the knowledge and the skill set that people that have the label designers have. Okay. Well, so that was four camps. Yeah, it's kind of three, but maybe four. Okay. Well, <laughs> either way I can clear the field a little bit because, um, if if you're upset because you're an actual trained designer, you went to some kind of school for design, um, you are either too young or too privileged to participate in this conversation. <laughs> Please see yourself to the door. Thank you very much. Um, so now let's get back to the to the real concerns. <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, that's actually some of the funnier you know comments that I saw going back and forth is basically people attacking each other based on what how much basically there was a lot of people privilege shaming each other <laughs> like oh when you pointed out my privilege you missed how privileged you were when you <laughs> had the privilege to point out my privilege ha ha i have virtue shamed you i'm like this is way too meta for me i'm going back to bed <laughs> oh but, man. yeah design twitter this is <laughs> the, it's totally it's ridiculous it's out of hand um no, I, I tend to agree with your hot take on that, though. Just that, okay, in terms of having a, a meaningful discussion at work with people that you need to turn into allies in order to be effective at things, saying that everyone is a designer um, is useful. Um, it's also true, right? Like, uh, again, going to the, the, the definition that, uh, that that Jared and others like to put forward, like, if you're making decisions that will affect the outcome of how a service or product works and how people experience it, that's design. What else could it possibly be? Um, then there's, there's the, the, like the subgroup of people who pop out of nowhere talking about like, no, that's small D design. I'm talking about big D design. All right, nobody cares how big your D is. It's just design. 
That's what she said. Oh, I couldn't resist. Uh, I set you up on that one. <laughs> Sorry. That's the sketch talking. Well, I think that's interesting because like as like I was trying to mull over the the discussions that were going over this weekend and you know the various things that people would bring up you know is like the, is the business person designing their business? Well, I mean, if you take Jared Spool's definition of it, then yes, they are. They're, you know, so if you talk about, you know, the business person are they designing too? Because they're putting into, they're rendering their intent of what this business should be. Maybe. And even more so than rendering intent into the specific business, they're most undoubtedly uh, designing the actual products and services that they're offering as part of that business. Right. I mean, so. but you're also like, you know, like if you think about like a, a company and their culture and how it work, it really just works top down for the most part, you know, they're designing, they're rendering their intent for what their company culture is going to be, whether they are consciously doing it or not. Mm, I see. So you're, you're kind of bringing up the notion of unconscious design, right? Ultimately, design will happen whether or not you actually do it on purpose is a different story. Right. And this goes back to, you know, sort of Jared Spool's de- definition of what design is. You know, it's like it's a rendering of intent and some people don't know that they're doing it and are doing a, t- doing a bad job of it or, you know, at least, you know, shooting from the hip. And then there's some people that know that they're doing a bad job, of it, but at least they're aware of it. And then, you know, then it, you know, sort of goes from there. Um, and I would guess that most people in Jared Spool's definition don't know that they're designing and don't realize they're doing a, a terrible job of it. Right. So I guess if you're really, uh, I, and I'm trying to uh, now contemplate the opposition to the argument that everyone's a designer. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm struggling to do it, quite frankly. But <laughs> well, it's because we've I, already grounded it in 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 Jared's definition of it. So if we're if we're going from Jared's definition, then I understand where Jared's coming from, you know. But I don't think everybody right. shares that definition, and I think that is really where all this this argument and you know back and forth is coming from. Sure. So if you were to slice it pretty thin, you could say that. Not everyone is a designer, but everyone designs. Yeah. So that comes back to sort of the, you know, I, you know, a lot of people will bring up the the analogy of, you know, of, you know, cooks or chefs, like everybody can cook, but not everybody's a chef. Um, But I would take it to a different level. It's like, you know what? Some people, you know, there's people that are doctors, but there's people that give medical care that are not doctors. In fact, I mean, you know, all the way down to me as a parent, I give medical care to my child in certain situations and I'm not a doctor, but I'm giving medical care. And so at what point do we say you are not, you know, you're, you're just a parent giving somebody a bandaid to that a doctor needs to be involved. Right. And so in those cases, we have a system that 
clearly defines what a doctor is. And you can say you're a doctor, but if you don't have this paper that said you did all this work and you did all the things that doctors need to do to become a doctor, you're not actually a doctor. In the design world, we don't really have that. I see. So I think you're starting to get into the topic uh, that I'm wondering about is what does it matter whether everybody's a designer or not? Who who cares? Uh, I think I only care in the fact that people are making decisions about things. Like if you're in a product company or service company and people are making decisions that affect the experience in either a positive or negative way. And, um, and for me, what I want to do is just to make sure that everybody's making better decisions and decisions are getting made, right? So as a design and sort of product leader, I think it's my job to make sure that decisions are getting made and good decisions are getting made and making sure that people are getting the right streams of information to make good decisions. Um, and so... I, that that's kind of the lens that I look at things through and people are either going to make bad decisions or good decisions or okay decisions. And it all depends on whether they're getting their information, the right information, and they have the tools to be able to do the right things with those information, that information, the tools and skills to do so. And from my point of view, people from design backgrounds kind of have better skills in those areas than traditionally people from, you know, the, uh, a business background where they, they know business really well, but they don't really, they don't get the, you know, they don't have the research methods that, that, that people in design have. They don't, um, understand how to, you know, process through large amounts of information and, and, and get to the, you know, the, the heart of, uh, of an, a problem that people are working on or, you know, they don't, you know, they don't understand the design tech design thinking techniques that allow us to take, explore lots of ideas, then distill them down into something actionable. You know, those types of things that, you know, from in our field, we, we have lots of resources and we have lots of people talking about stuff like that. And I don't see that as much in other fields. And so when I see people say, you know, everyone's a designer. Yeah. There is people making decisions and some people are making bad decisions. And some people are making good decisions. And where, what is the characteristics of the people that are making good decisions versus bad ones? And I think the common thread is, you know, people that, and now of course there's outliers out there. There's, there's, this isn't absolutes and there's, you know, there's continuums here, but um, I think that people that have the design background and understand the, you know, the research methods and the techniques and that, that, that come from, from design backgrounds and UX backgrounds, are more geared to make better decisions for, for products and services, in my opinion. I think it was getting later into Sunday evening that I saw this Twitter conversation uh, starting to revolve around this notion that because designers design stuff, the stuff that goes out into the world affects people either directly by using the product or indirectly by the, the kind of impact it has on, on the planet. 
And because we have the potential to create things that could do, um, you know, wonderful things or be horrible for the planet, um, because we have that level of, of impact that we need to essentially be credentialed like doctors and other uh, professional organizations that would say like, oh, okay, you have a code of ethics that's going to prevent you from, um, you know, doing certain um, types of design or coming up with certain solutions that are going to have a, a negative impact or an unintended consequence. Um, and honestly, at, at that point, I started to feel like, okay, this is getting a, a little bit silly. Um, to say that designers on the whole have the same level of responsibility and accountability for the things that they design um, comparable to, you know, a, a doctor practicing medicine um, to me seems like a, more than a little bit of a stretch. It's definitely a bit of a stretch because, you know, obviously, you know, a doctor, nearly everything a doctor does has some sort of serious effect on the health of an, of individuals. Um, not every design decision is something that affects the planet or affects like elections or now there are certainly situations where those things do happen. Absolutely. But like if I'm designing the, the shopping cart for the, for, for, Amazon, am I really affecting people's station in life? I don't think so, but maybe, but maybe we are, maybe we're, we're turning people <laughs> into shopaholics there that weren't shopaholics before because it's so easy to buy shit on Amazon. I don't know. See now I'm, I'm to the point where I'm holding two different opinions in my head at the same time. And I'm just, I, I, I need to process that. So I think there are situations where, yes, absolutely, <laughs> designers can have an impact that like kill people, and but a vast majority of the decisions they make probably don't. So I don't know. It's it's I could go either way on it depending on the situation that we're talking about. I get a little fatigued of the argument that because Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple and IBM and and others because they exist then um, it creates this ability for what a designer does to create outsized impacts on, on the planet. So if you think about like um, a designer engaging in unethical design behavior, however you want to design uh, uh, define that ultimately you know that designer has the ability to do something unethical to a billion people mm -hmm. and that that is a, a sobering notion but it's such an outlier compared to what most designers are doing on a daily basis um yeah to, to me it seems like a real appeal to the extreme to to try to justify uh, a point of view well, I think that is actually interesting. So if you look at this through the Ben Thompson lens of, of the super aggregators and designers who are in 
you know, in the position to influence things in a system that is, you know, classified as a super aggregator. Um, uh, do you want, do you, can, do you have a, like a quick hot take on what a super aggregator is? It's the companies that have an outsized ability to bring uh, consumers or, or an audience together uh, in a single place. And because they command such a large audience, then they have an, an outsized impact on uh, their industry and their, you know, their, the internet as a whole. Yeah. I think the, 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 the key there is they, they control the supply, uh, the, the, the demand and the supply at the same time. And that is the thing that makes sort of makes them a super aggregator and, um, and, and turns them into the, this, this, this entity that has a, an enormous amount of power in the situation because they control both the supply side and the demand side of things. Um, and right. so a, a great example being like uh, Google search has all, you know, practically all internet search traffic, people looking for something and then also controls the um, advertisers um, inventory on, on the other side of that transaction. So they, they control a major intersection between uh, the supply and demand. Right. And also there's the fact that, you know, you have this unlimited content that Google doesn't create and Google also doesn't like, you know, they just like bring the demand to the, this enormous supply of content by, you know, making a really great experience and making it really easy to do so, honestly. And that's what, that's sort of the, the sort of the, the, the hallmark of a super aggregator. So in those cases, a designer has a huge amount of influence and and uh, and impact on the you know on the system as a whole because they affect so many people and 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 so much content at the same time and so in those cases maybe there's more of a of a reason to have some sort of regulation or some sort of certification on what they do because or just regulation on those businesses in general honestly cuz if you look at, you know, the, the, um, if you look at the, the, um, antitrust laws, right. The antitrust laws are, are really rooted and written for a physical world where people are selling widgets or services outside of, you know, the super aggregator and, and, and the internet. Um, and they don't really address these, these, these super aggregators because in in the abstract or in, in the, in the greater, you know, look at this thing, you know, that consumers are benefiting from Google and consumers are benefiting from Amazon and consumers are arguably benefiting from Facebook. Oh, um, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and so the, the, you know, antitrust laws are, are written in a way where it's like, if, if consumers are benefiting then it's not in the interest of the government to 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 crack down on that. It's only when you have a company that has a monopoly where cut consumers are you know are put at a disadvantage because of that not monopoly, and that's when the government you know typically tends to step step in. And so now we have these you know super aggregators that are actually benefiting customers because people are getting lower prices and they're getting a really good experience, and that's what's driving all of the you know the this the the you know the the, the demand um, do designers have a more 
are 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 they put in in a position of more power where we need to like have some better controls in the decisions they make or give them the ability to say no in more situations because of that power that they have that's where I, my personal point of view tends to kind of revert to the the examples of potential harms and so on the people in the in this discussion keep bringing up to me it's reflective of things that are already covered by existing frameworks of ethics by existing laws um you know basically uh what happens in these corporations uh if it's if it's bad or wrong or unethical there's a good chance that these things are already covered by uh, by RICO laws, right? Like, but this is organized crime. It doesn't happen just because a designer decided that they, you know, wanted to try to either reduce or, for that matter, increase friction around a particular transaction, right? So, I, for me, I feel like basically there, there's already laws around, you know, what is okay and what's not acceptable. Is there though? Uh, I was going to bring up sort of the, the Uber um, example or you know, just like ride sharing in general, where the, the drivers get manipulated into doing certain things to think that they're, it's making their life or they're, they're making, you know, them going to make more money when it actually doesn't. And it's really just for the benefit of the company. So I think there is like, I think there are examples in this new world economy where, People can be exploited because like, hey, well, these people aren't our employees. And so they're just contractors. Therefore, we can do kind of whatever the hell we want. And, you know, the the ride sharing companies have kind of done that to people. Again, where this debate goes back to comparing designers to doctors, I guess for me, um, designers aren't expected to um, have a, a fiduciary duty to their customer, to their user, right? So as a doctor, you have, you know, boundaries of what you can do, even within your own opinions of what would be best for me. You, you have limitations on what you can do because um, we thought it was important enough to, to protect people by saying you have a, a duty to never do any harm to these people. We don't have the same standards for businesses, right? So we might have, you know, uh, laws that address the most egregious behaviors, but essentially, like, anytime I can get away with putting tiny little text and a thing that pops up as soon as you show up at my website and you just close it to get it out of the way and you've, you've met a legal responsibility, <laughs> like, to me, that's a good example of where, like, Business is not intended to look out for the consumer. And yeah, I get where that sucks. And I get where that could even really become super problematic. But nevertheless, I, you know, I think my way of viewing that is that we need to do a better job uh, as, you know, culturally speaking, educating consumers about how essentially not to be taken advantage of in this uh, brave new world. I, I think you, that's a, a really good example that you bring up is like the whole, like every single website that I ever go to has this GDPR bullshit at the bottom says, do you buy, click this thing to accept our cookies because we need to tell you this because of GDPR. And that is such a 
bullshit thing that doesn't really do anything and it's just annoying to everybody and it's like because of this regulation that they they did everybody has to do it now and um th- for me that's that to me tells says that we need to have people that are we need more designers in government honestly so that we can like <laughs> seriously because like what is the what is the intended outcome here it's like we want people to be able to understand you know what you know what privacy what privacy trade-offs they are doing by coming to a site right i'm a big believer in people being able to control what information goes to people that they interact with i'm i'm a big believer of that but like this gdpr regulation has like cause hope it's it here's a good analogy so i was just re- i was listening to this podcast uh, uh behind the bastards right and there is this um this ruler of belgium leopold ii and he was the <laughs> he was the, the 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 king of belgium back in the late 1800s and he he was a he was a, he was a son of a honestly so he was on the behind the bastards <laughs> for a reason and one of the things he did like he so he they you know made this mad dash for Africa and colonizing the whole damn thing. And Belgium got the Belgian Congo. Um, and one of the ways that this, this Leopold II kept his power was every, he wanted like all his, his, his soldiers and stuff, not to like, you know, hoard uh, a bunch of ammo so that they could like have a rebellion or anything. And so every time somebody shot a bullet, they had to cut somebody's hand off and bring a hand back for every bullet. Right, so that they made sure that they accounted, so they accounted for every bullet that they shot, and so what ended uh-huh. up happening was they would like shoot off a bunch of bullets, and they'd be just like, "Oh shit, we got to get a bunch of hands," and so they go out to the to the the natives and like, so like it created this market for hands, so that they could account for the damn bullets they were shooting off, and so like these unintended consequences of like, okay, here's the regulation and you know, this is for the good of everybody. And there's like really consequences for making the decisions. And I think, you know, GDPR is like, oh yeah, we want people to have control over their privacy and, and the information they put out there. But what we end up doing is just like having this really shitty experience where it's like, we have to like click okay on every site that we go to. So it's not as bad as like cutting off people's hands, but you know, <laughs> maybe a little bit of a stretch of an analogy but i get where you're going with it <laughs> i think there's a huge amount of room for design and design thinking in government but we're never going to get there because it's all about politics and not about actually achieving outcomes for the american people Apparently, it's been a while since you've been in a design review, because what is that but politics? <laughs> I'm talking about capital P politics, not lowercase <laughs> p politics, Roman. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so all of our heroes are uh, fiercely embattled on Twitter discussing whether or not everybody is a designer. Um, there's moments of, of beauty and brilliance as well as absolute buffoonery. Um, I don't have specific examples, but I would encourage you. Actually, I don't encourage you. Don't go look. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go on design Twitter. <laughs> I beg you, don't do it. <laughs> right. Uh, that, that's the whole point of this podcast is to save you going back. 
Um, so at this point, the, though, there's, uh, as you mentioned, a few different kind of factions emerging. There's people who are um, straddling fences or keeping multiple points of view in mind at the same time. Um, and last I saw, it was, it was it was kind of a mess. People kind of turned off of Twitter, myself included. Um, so where do we go from here? Everybody's a designer. Everybody's not a designer. Does it matter? How is this going to um, change the field? In my opinion, I think that you use the argument and the lens for the appropriate situation. Like there is, like I said at the very beginning, there are situations where, hey, the the fact that everybody's a designer is a really good lens to look at things so that you can affect change and make your your organization more effective at making better decisions. And then there are other times where using the lens of, you know, people that are in design actually have a lot of experience and a lot of skills and a lot of things that they build up. And we can't demean, you know, that particular field and skill set because, you know, this other person has the power and they're going to make the decisions anyway. Right. So I think, you know, depending on what situation you are, you're in, um, different lenses are, are uh, of of you know what design is and and who are designers are and what a designer is and who's making design decisions uh, makes a lot of sense depending on the situation you're in and the thing you're trying to accomplish. So I can in 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 my opinion I can hold both truths in my head at the same time and apply them when needed to get the results that I'm looking to get. I'm not a fan of slicing things really thin like this, but I. I think that yes, everybody designs. Not everybody is a designer, meaning not everybody's been trained. As far as trying to say that, you know, okay, well, that's just little D design, but I do big D design. Like I, to me, that that's silly. That's that's going um, against the gains you made by trying to build an ally and explaining that everybody designs. So I I think to the extent that. You can get a product manager to sit down and sketch out some screens. Man, take the victory. This was a, a tweet directed at Jared Spool um, in this whole mess of things went over the weekend. But he 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 the 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 person who was tweeting like came up with an anecdote where he like encountered Jared Spool at some point and he's like, you know, how you know, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and how do I, you know, sort of get into the UX design field? And 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 Jared was like, "You are already a designer," and that was empowering to him. He that like actually helped him like sort of frame where he was in his career, and was like, "Oh crap, I'm already doing this," and I just haven't applied that 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 title to myself yet. And that was like motivating for him, and it was like the thing that helped him you know, evolve in his thinking of his own, you know, his own skill set and his own abilities. And so again, you know, that was a, a place where thinking about design through that lens was a positive thing. And that's what I, I want to look for. I want to be able to, you know, take things like that and, and pr- apply it to situations where we can create, you know, that we can use it as a lens to something positive and, 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 and use it as a way to, to progress forward as opposed to, you know, using it as a way to dig our heels in against things. Yeah. Well said in a field that's fairly universally uh, aligned on the idea that we should welcome diversity and inclusion. 
Um, we need to quit gatekeeping around this field. Uh, you can be a self-taught engineer, but I tell you what, there's a lot more barriers to entry than there are into getting into design. You know, the big difference between whether you become a good designer or a great designer is just a matter of whether you care about the people you're designing for. And I, I think it, the more people we can bring into that fold, the, the better. I agree with that. Well, hey, if you happen to have been listening to the show on Anchor, uh, where we produce the show, anchor.fm, uh, there's some cool features on there. One is that uh, because of the relationship with Spotify, uh, we're able to put in some song clips. So you may have heard some fun uh, song clips at the b- beginning or end of shows. Uh, but more importantly, they've actually added the ability for you to leave us a voice message directly through the interface. Um, we haven't gotten a, a voice message through Anchor so far, but that would be super fun. So if you are listening on Anchor, uh, we'd love to get a comment or a question uh, through their voice interface. And uh, if you're comfortable with it, uh, please do let us know so that we could even include it in the show where we uh, where we talk about that. That sounds amazing. I didn't know that was possible. The Anchor app is a lot of fun. It's, it's why we produce the show there. I think it's a little underrated. Um, there's some trade-offs to using it, to be sure. Uh, another killer podcast app is of course uh, overcast.fm um, real big fans of the app uh, all the features and and the fun thing that they recently added was the ability to share uh, audio clips from the show so uh, you may have missed it in the iOS interface and unless you just happen to be kind of looking around but um, from the the share sheet um, it actually gives you the ability to, to trim out uh, a specific uh, segment of time from the show and then share it however you like um, social media, Twitter, uh, email, however you, however you prefer. But um, I, I've messed with it a couple of times. It's a lot of fun. So I encourage you to check that out again. That's in the overcast.fm app. Did we just do an episode of stuff podcasters love? <laughs> I think we did. Nice. <laughs> Way to get it in, boys. <laughs> if you found this show useful, usable, and desirable, please share a quick review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews help people find our show, and we appreciate your help. And remember that UX Like Us is your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at UX Like Us and let us know to have on the show and what you're discussing in your practice. I'm L.A. King. That's L.A. King at L.A. King. And Roman Burkhardt is at Stuperan. Thank you for listening. Did we just encourage people to go on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs>